0: Halloween. Forever.
1: All right, guys. Um, what's the best? Good morning, morning everybody. Good morning, morning Brian. What's the best (laughs) recipe for the perfect? Valentine's Day morning.
2: I don't know, Brian. What is it? <laughs> this, this is really complicated. Joke, and I don't. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, hugging a quiche.
1: Welcome, boys and ghouls, to a very early mini of Halloween is Forever. I'm Brian. I'm your
3: motherfucking two time champ.
2: (laughs) Coming in with a lot of big dick energy this morning. Mm. I am Steve and I love a quiche. (laughs) Big,
1: big quiche guy over here. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, We are here recording uh, very in very odd circumstances. We are recording first thing, bright and early, Sunday morning and Tuesday's Valentine's Day. So, guys, let's give the just slightest of nods to the most bullshit of holidays. But you know what? In the last few years, I've kind of started to... You know what? Since Joe Bob uh, on the last drive-in started doing the Valentine's Day specials, I started to appreciate some fun Valentine's Day horror flicks uh, aside from the very obvious ones, right? Uh, <laughs> like My Bloody Valentine, stuff like that, which I absolutely love. And we're going to delve into one of them today. Meg... As she said, regrettably, is the current champ and she um was I just want to thank the
3: fans out there, you know. <laughs> Don't thank the
1: fans. <laughs> thank the fact that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the most famous. I like how films you guys just like types. to
3: undercut every yes. Yes. win or opportunity yes. or anything that benefits me this one
1: very no. clearly want to undercut because <laughs> uh, uh, uh listen guys I, i'll i'll recap what happened how did meg become champ right it was an un, uh, unequivocally uh asterisk filled occasion oh, okay so here's what she, here's what she did right here's what the fuck she did sorry no, we, i know how to win we pick micro budget gems first <laughs> she picked a non-micro budget movie <laughs> Shut then, up, you guys then, let it go through
3: you're then like then yeah, she she picked is fine. one of
1: the most popular horror movies of <laughs> all time
3: also said i'm gonna pull uh, a <laughs> meg that's what i do that's why
1: it's called a meg <laughs> then it went to a tie went to a vote of course texas chainsaw On face value alone, she's now the champ, but... In her defense, she was gracious enough to to pick a uh, a, a Valentine's Day um, horror movie. Now, the one she did pick initially was way too racist <laughs> to talk about on air.
0: Yeah,
3: we had to, we had to pivot real fast. <laughs> well, three, I had two in mind.
1: Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we we uh, a movie that none of us had seen before. I, I think Steve, you hadn't seen the other movie we talked about. Before, I had,
2: had seen it a way long time ago, but I, I didn't remember like I'd seen it when it first come out. Yeah, because uh, uh, you know it, it was by the same director who did Tokyo Gore Police. Right. And I just did not remember that pervasive amount of blackface. <laughs> so
0: <laughs>
1: we were going to do a movie which listen to check it out if you want or just watch Tokyo Gore, please. It's pretty much the same movie, which also um, has a little bit of blackface, not a whole a lot. little bit. It does <laughs> a little bit. Um, called uh what was it vampire girl versus Frank- frankenstein girl, girl versus vampire girl or vice something versa something like that yeah um, from 2009 um and then we we pivoted um, and we decided we were going to do or Meg decided we were going to do 2017's the love witch which is a very interesting flick um mm. so that's that's where we're at guys um if you want to get involved with all this bullshit this nonsense this voting this suggesting topics all that sort of thing You should follow us on the social medias at Halloween is forever. Halloween is forever pod, depending on what the hell platform it is. You search Halloween is forever. You're going to find it. Um, We do on the Instagrams and the Twitters and the Tiki talkies and the Facebooks and all that sort of stuff or I guess I haven't mentioned in a while if you want to uh, shoot us an email directly it's uh, Halloween is forever pod at gmail.com one thing we do like is suggestions for topics um, for our showdown episodes usually you know we put this big spinny wheel together with dozens and dozens of topics we spin it we come up with three then we let our social media friends and listeners vote on what those uh, you know what that month's topic will be Uh, of course next month February showdown out of the way we still got a couple weeks left in february it's total piece of shit month we all know this don't argue it when uh, uh march a little bit better not that much better a little bit better so we are going to do talk about today what are going to be our three options for you to choose for the showdown topic for march but before that uh yeah a l- little unorthodox this morning what are we drinking guys i don't think anybody's cranking
2: beers yet but no, I'm not drinking beers. It's too early for beers. It's too I early thought, for beers. I
3: thought Steve was drinking beer because he was drinking out of a can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's like the same gloop glop, just like in a non-alcoholic. Oh yeah, it's up.
2: It's uppers versus downers. That's oh all. yeah, yeah. No, Mike, I'm still in firmly gross gloop glop territory. Mm-hmm. Just I don't <laughs> want to go off-brand on the show. Mm-hmm. So, like I uh, important. Yeah, I was I was just uh, boopopping around yesterday running errands. <laughs> and around where you yeah just bopping <laughs> around doing errands and then sure. i was at sheets sure and i was going through the sheets cooler looking for what kind of drinks they got and lo and behold they have vastly expanded their like iced coffee in a can line i Ooh.
1: noticed this i just got it uh, one the other day yeah yeah
2: yeah so i picked one up because i felt it, it i felt it felt Right into the line of like gross shit that I would drink. Mm -hmm. And it's their orange creamsicle iced coffee. Mm. I actually would totally
3: fuck. I mean, I'm kind of into that idea.
1: Yeah. yeah it's I love not don't bad. mind Irish cor- creamsicle things, but coffee, boy, it seems I guess, you know, roast character, chocolate and 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 uh uh orange is a good flavor combination. Well right. they're
3: always like serving, say like lemon with espresso, but there's mm-hmm. also um it's called like mazagran, I think it mm-hmm. is. And it's uh, espresso with lemon soda. Like, oh, okay. yeah, so um and like, yeah, even using orange juice in in coffee is like interesting. So that actually, I feel like would work really, really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. It's much more in line with Brian, with what Brian's thinking. It's right down the line of one of those Christmas dark orange chocolates. Yeah. That you totally. get. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I
1: man, I just want I I just want bitterness in the morning for whatever reason. I want black coffee or espresso. It
3: seems so on point
1: for you. I don't want sweet in the morning <laughs> unless it's a donut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just drinking a good old mug of black coffee and a big old dad mug. That's pretty much what the hell I'm doing right now. Uh, I think it's just old Dorkin Donuts coffee or whatever the hell we bought on sale. Um, So that's that's about as interesting as I get in the morning. I am definitely one of those people that's like it's quantity over quality early in the day. Mm. Like, yes, I love and appreciate a really good, high quality cup of coffee. But also um, I'll drink just the absolute bottom of the barrel fucking gas station coffee, too. It just needs to be in my face within about 15 minutes of waking up or I'm going to fucking lose it. (laughs) So I have (laughs) like when I stay at hotels, you know how like in hotel rooms they have those little like single, double, triple pots, you know, that you make. Um, If there's a pod situation, I'm definitely going for the pod situation. But I have made coffee so many times on coffee makers that have probably never been used before. Uh, because normal people would just wait and go to the lobby or something, but I'm like, no, I need a cup of coffee before I get in the shower. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's my move. It's just get, give me the fucking caffeine in my face as soon as I wake up.
3: Into it. I, uh, I certainly appreciate like a really like a nice cup of coffee and i think i'm a little bit spoiled from working where i work mm. and i have like a very specific drink and sometimes i'll wait like if i know i'm going to work i'm gonna wait until i get there but i may like i'm only having one cup in a day like mm. i can't i am not gonna have a whole pot mm. um and uh sidebar you you're uh, you guys might appreciate, i do actually <laughs> um no question that <laughs> hard. Yes, I'm better than you. No, but you guys might appreciate why this like this latte that I always make it work. Um I like found a recipe for like honey miso syrup. Mm. And so I use that in it. It's really nice. It's like a like a salted caramel kind of like, you know, a salted nut roll type thing. Mm. Super tasty. So that's why i wait, but today since i'm home i was telling steve already that i just like i haven't brought good coffee into the house so i have like the giant eagle uh folders knockoff and that's what i'm just sipping on black as black you know
1: yep 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 yeah sometimes you just gotta
3: purpose it has a purpose
1: yeah it's it's utilitarian in that way it's like uh yeah you know, Unimart coffee or something like that. Like, you know, they made it three days ago and it's just been in there scorching forever. It's <laughs> fucking disgusting. Yeah, I but. actually
3: like just leaving a pot on there just with cold coffee and I'm just like that lazy at home where oh, yeah. I just I just want it to pour it off and just heat it up and then go, you know, that that's the level that I get when I'm at home.
1: I microwave coffee all the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, like, because I'll, I'll seriously sometimes in the afternoon, I'll drink like well, between Kate and I, we'll drink a pot of coffee in the morning and then I'll make another whole pot in the afternoon just so I have some to microwave first thing when I wake up. Mm. I actually prefer microwave coffee in the morning because it's faster. I don't have to wait for the whole <laughs> pot to mate. I just literally yeah. microwave it for one minute. And, and, and like I used to do a minute thirty on my microwave but i've known look, i've noticed that i can get it down to a minute 25 and it's and it's legitimately just as We're talking hot
3: efficiency here and guys. i just need
1: it in my face so i will go as far as Ugh. to hit one minute 25 seconds
2: That's, in my fucking gourd that is that is like the opposite of cold brewing like because because <laughs> i for sure like will get a mason jar cold brew overnight yeah. Whereas, like you're just like I'm, just like this garbage well, you're sit out.
0: Fancy boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. It changes.
1: The flavor changes, Um in in, in that it becomes very stale and uh, <laughs> and not good tasting. But again, I do not give a fuck. I also make my co- my drip coffee very strong, so it's like it kind of holds up a little bit better. Mm. But. Um, like I said, I feel like
3: you You seem like a person, like when you drink your coffee, you want to just like be reminded how much you hate yourself. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to like, I want to feel the pain of my ancestors. Like when yeah. I drink some coffee, Were like a ancestors cup of
3: coffee roasters.
1: No, I don't know why I said that. I think it's because I watched <laughs> the Northman last night. So that's why that came out of my mouth. Um, anyway, everything's uh,
3: about your ancestors.
1: <laughs> everything's <laughs> about the lineage and yeah. yeah so, um, Anyway, guys. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's a coffee morning. We're here. We're here together. Maybe you're listening to this in the morning. It's almost like we're there at your table with you, sipping on <laughs> coffee.
3: Um, we're a different type of silly when we're drinking coffee. <laughs> and today, I don't have my Twitch lighting. I just have the sun. <laughs> it's <laughs> <spot> literally. <lighting. laughs>
1: it literally. It looks like somebody's shining a flashlight, like a cop is shining a flashlight yeah. in your face <laughs> on the feed. It looks I'm very have to uncomfortable. Move. <laughs> I looks hate very, it. looks very unpleasant. Also,
3: it's just like with this cold going on, my eyes are watering <laughs> and then the sun's making it water, and it, looks, water. <laughs> it just looks like
1: you are a vampire who is being <laughs> like the sun is being cast upon you and you're melting. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we got to do a, one more thing before we get into this uh, very romantic movie. Um, let's talk about that spinning old wheel for the month of March. Steve, you got that wheel?
2: I got the wheel up. I got the All wheel right, spinning. What, what's the wheel's the wheel going. What's going to do for us? Uh, so, our first choice is a werewolf flicks. Oh, okay. Yes. Boy, why, why do
1: I remember us doing a werewolf episode in the past? No? Uh,
2: have it. I don't believe we did.
1: No. Nah, nah, no. I'm imagining I, don't, that. I don't remember doing a werewolf episode. I love a werewolf flick. Love a werewolf flick
2: underrated underappreciated oh. no we did a werewolf episode but it wasn't yeah. a full werewolf movie it was the wolf of snow hollow oh yes yes yes, yes, yes. Yeah. so we talked werewolves there, that. there. Mm-hmm. that's a great flick but we will uh
1: yeah we could delve deeper into the you know the dog soldiers of the world and and, and um, ginger snaps and all that fun stuff So mm-hmm. that, looks, that sounds good okay
2: here's a wild one the best of peter cushing
1: Oh, I mm-hmm. like where That's this is going. Peter Cushing is uh, a, a, a horror icon. Uh, most non-horror
2: um, folks would probably Doctor know Who. him from uh, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I heard, I heard Meg in the background quietly whisper "Doctor Who." Well, it's like, like, like you, I you fucking. Googling, and I was just
3: like, no, I'm just like <laughs> here. I'm like googling things.
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm googling things.
3: <laughs> I'm, I see Doctor uh, Who, and I'm like, oh, I know, I know of Doctor Who. I'm, I'm over
1: here. I'm familiar <laughs> with a with a Doctor Who. Um,
3: <laughs> I'm over here dying, actually, guys.
1: <laughs> Not good. Give Meg a break. She's she's being melted by the sun. She's sick. Um, Robber cushion. <laughs> She's oh, we also didn't mention that Uh, she's she's been chugging Robotus and she's she's full on. She she might as well be drinking lean over there. She's all definitely seeing
3: walls move and shit like that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, you'll know Peter Cushing from a million things, especially uh, a lot, lot of uh, of kind of classic British horror. Um, So, yeah, anyway. uh, and, And then, of course, You know, he played a relative, I don't want to say a minor role, but a smaller role in in Star Wars. Um, He was in a lot of Hammer Horror flicks, you know, Horror of Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein, Bride of Dracula. uh, Tons of tons of good. The Hound of the Baskerville is one of my favorites. Um, It's one of the coolest, most like atmospheric uh Movie. I mean, that's kind of what um, a lot of those Hammer horror films are known for. But anyway, Peter mm-hmm. Cushing—that would be really, really fun. Um He doesn't get as much credit as you know, as your your Vincent Price's, uh, is your, or Christopher your Christopher Lee's. I was going to say, or your Christopher Lee's, perhaps. um But he is damn fantastic. So that would All actually right. be
3: fun. Looks like there's a lot of good movies I'd like to see. You know. Yeah.
1: What what do we, what do we got for
2: number three? Number three is hungry for horror.
1: Oh, cool. Hungy. Number four. I'm writing this down. Mm-hmm. Or
2: three. Number
1: three. <laughs> no, I mean, I no, hungy four.
2: Oh, I wrote no, it as oh, number four. Oh, <laughs> number
1: four. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So so explain this one. Explain this one a little bit. This
2: one is anything that's food or restaurant related. Mm-hmm. So like, I like this one. I think you can go like you can go as far as uh, there's. Uh, what, what was it? there's like a one that's like donuts oh yeah, I, yeah, I forget yeah. the name of it killer donuts K- i guess yeah it's killer donuts so yeah, like, i think it's just called killer donuts yeah so AKA like
3: AKA brian's breakfast <laughs>
1: <laughs> killer donuts or uh uh would we say uh, attack attack of the killer tomatoes maybe that, right, that's yeah. not really yeah. horror
2: <laughs> it's more of a uh, but well, um, well, the original uh, the original is uh, yes. pretty close to like just mm. a movie maybe the yep. re or the sequel with george clooney is eh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah eh,
2: you take your chances with that one <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about a blood diner that that would make a lot of sense yeah blood diner uh,
2: um and then like I, th- I feel like critters 2 would be okay with that because there's ju- sure. there's just enough yep. around it because like you have the hungry uh like the hungry howies or whatever you know, the, right. there's that infamous scene at the burger bar, but then they also beat them with cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, there's just enough
1: fresh, I think, would be a good one. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, uh, oh, I just had another one in my head that was pretty good. Oh, um, what what's the trauma movie? Uh, uh, Poultry guy. Poultry guys is a great one. That's a great, a, one. That's a great one to put on there. Yeah. Um, so this should be uh yeah, this should be a lot of fun. This should be a lot of fun. Um all right, so I, I'm be really excited about any of these ones. So once again, um go on the old social medias and check us out. Oh, I just motel hell. Oh, I've been looking for an opportunity to do motel hell. That just popped <laughs> in my head. Um, werewolf flicks uh peter cushing best of peter cushing uh or hungy for horror so um (laughs) check us out on the social medias and do a little vote of vote and help us decide what's going to be our showdown topic for uh the the magical month of march um all right meg all the the rights and privileges of the champ of course go to you um so tell us about uh this movie why you picked it besides it was plan b from your other not necessarily incest like i didn't see incest but you, what you missed in incest you more than made up I'm, for in racism I think <laughs> what you're trying to do det- trying
3: to do here is like pull the attention away from the incest that you're bringing to the table what am i doing no, it was in your last film. Had like all this incest and stuff. We were to like just talk. Yeah, you ha- or no, you were like, it was the Henry portrait of a serial killer. And you were just like, oh, Steve brought the incest. Yeah, That's what it don't, was. don't put this <laughs> juju on me. I just like that you're still trying to bring it back to me and try to bring me bring me down. Um, yeah. But you can't. can't,
1: can't bring the giant down. <laughs> you're, you're, you're can't stop, won't stop. Can't bring the giant
2: down. Your can't stop, won't stop speech doesn't have as much weight as you die, and <laughs> as, as you be, get melted
1: by the sun. Yeah.
3: I know. i like keep migrating right now and I hate it. I'm like overheating. It's it's terrible, guys. Meg's um, got
1: flop sweats right now. Like well, so yeah,
3: She's just like so mad. She's got her hand on her medicine. head. So since again I was uh, the guys let me know that I, I you know came out on top that I ran away with it mm-hmm. and I didn't you know you can't put the asterisk on this time because I didn't ask anyone to vote for me. Mm-hmm. Um, let the let the fans choose if you will. <laughs>
2: No, it's just the asterisk this time is on the audience not being as media literate as, you know, they should be.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: I I'm would sorry. never
3: say that about any of you listening.
2: <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying they're wrong about what they know. I'm just saying I hope as time goes on they learn better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just actually agreed with me that your movie would have been better. If it was just a little different.
0: <laughs> and I'm not diving back into that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it.
3: All
1: right, it. let's, we're here. Let's bring it back okay. up,
3: guys. So, knowing this episode would come out, you know, the yeah. day before Valentine's Day, and last year we covered uh, My Bloody Valentine, which was really fun, I was like, there's plenty of thematic horror movies, and there's probably some good ones, and there's probably some bad ones. Mm. So, I, I just watched Love which probably a couple years ago for the first time, and I was like, it's an okay movie. Then I in my digging was the one where it was vampire girl versus Frankenstein girl. And I was like, this looks insane. Obviously we decided to go away from that because of the racist implications and didn't really want that one. Um, um, on, on the recording,
1: (laughs) uh, (laughs) didn't
2: necessarily want to get real granular on that one. It's, it's kind of hard to explain why the Japanese have such a bad, uh, I don't know they have such a bad time with doing that and a lot of things mm-hmm. and it's like it's not for us to explain yeah. another culture's bad behavior with it, like uh, sorry a culture
1: that none of us live in yeah. or you know necessarily know much about outside of media
2: but yeah that's right that's white explaining yeah. somebody else's racism and that's fucking weird so let's, yeah, we have let's our not own do it
3: racism to, to explain here in the united states guys
2: let's not do anyway. it <laughs>
3: So anywho, uh, we ran in and started doing The Love Witch. And um, I remember some things jumping out initially when I first watched it was just like the way the film looked like, you know, it definitely was hinting a lot from like 60s type film and, you know, and diving into like the background of it, that this was shot on 35, millime- filli- Ugh, 35 millimeter film mm-hmm. and seeing it was printed from like an original cut negative, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. It was not only written, edited, directed, produced and scored by Anna Biller. Um I don't know if you guys know any of her background. I don't really know nope. too
1: much. I just know I just know that she like this was a very singular project for her and she did like everything associated mm-hmm. with it. So that's that's the only that's really the only thing I know about her. Yeah. Um The only yeah. thing the
2: only thing I found more about it was like just going into her like IMDb profile, she like it seems to be That's the only way she works is just by being Mm -hmm. pure auteurism and like doing everything. And even in her bio, she has like a quote uh, that just is like she says film is like sex. Film fulfills all of my expectations, all of my fetishes. Video doesn't satisfy anything for me. So if I couldn't work on film anymore, I would just go back to painting or writing or writing music and I would just stop making films so yeah i it's an
3: interesting concept too because i feel like i can almost understand as like someone being an artist and this film for sure kind of has that feel like it's an art film of sorts Mm -hmm. um just with the way that was filmed and like the colors that were chosen um of how someone would want to have control of each piece because it's also not a very long film I mean actually it is two, two hours. hours but, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. sorry. But it doesn't feel like a long film, yes, is it what does. I'm saying. I know. I, like
1: It also feels like, it like it a long film. Th- like just- yeah, that's my only I like this movie a lot because yeah. it's visually striking. It's it's I love movies of the era that it's trying to mimic, which is this kind of um uh, and maybe this is my like limited scope of film, but it reminds me of like a seventies Italian, like drama slash sexploitation type of movie. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine that it's, it's not Giallo necessarily, no, but it definitely has this very, very uh, Italian flair to it, but not necessarily mm-hmm. Italian horror.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah. The, a couple of films that it immediately reminded me of, mm-hmm. um, as far to what you're talking about, Brian, uh, the, do you remember the film Diablo leak?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It had, it had very much has that very same Diablo feel to it. Mm-hmm. It also reminded me of black dynamite.
1: Yeah. Well, cause I think it's like it's sixties, seventies, um, Technicolor, right? It's, it's specifically mm-hmm. is like, is like, so a lot of movies were of course shot in, in Technicolor or, or remastered finished in, in Technicolor, um, but yeah, I don't know that there's a specific genre that represents the aesthetic as much as the an era and, and some of the technology around that. Of course, the 35 millimeter um, and and, um, you know, and the Technicolor.
2: Yeah. So mm. the uh, so the other film that is like a good representation of like kind of this um, melodrama, Technicolor melodrama mm. is what it is, is uh, Sisters of Death. Um, oh, I don't think ooh. I saw
1: Sisters of uh, Death.
2: You can find like sounds a it's a it's on Tubi uh as a rift mm-hmm. tracks version. Okay. But like mm-hmm. it's 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 a little darker than what this is. Like I see. It, this one is much more exemplary of the sixties aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah, Sisters even the fashion of
1: fashion and stuff is mm-hmm.
2: is sixties is inspired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but like yeah sisters of death has a lot of the same kind of uh feel and then there was another film like as a the movie we're talking about it's on tubi mm-hmm. so like that's where i watched it the film that played right after that because tubi's just like never stop watching
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: there's a film it was called vampire ecstasy and, mm-hmm. and right. boy, <laughs> that movie starts with lesbian finger banging and it is nice. It, it, it fucking uh, rules. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever you said lesbian finger banging, Wait, what was I that immediately one you just in my about?
0: head went
3: easy, easy <laughs> which, like Sunday morning. Which one? Well, which one did man, you say?
2: Vampires? No, the one you
3: oh that movie okay so i almost i like stopped paying attention for like when the credits came on yeah Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that movie last night came on right after and i thought it was like an after the credits like (laughs) film that was coming on and and that scene came out i was like whoa <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. This See, is where we're going. Yeah.
1: See, this is this is why I'm disappointed. You guys got this amazing organic experience of being subjected to lesbian finger banging after <laughs> the movie I watched on Shutter, I got no such experience. So, mm. shame on me for not watching it on TV. That'll that's teach that's you. what yeah. I'm saying. To be given, yeah. to be given. Yeah. Yeah. To remember that. I know. Shame on me. Um, yeah, I watched this movie uh for the first time when it I think when it initially came out on Shudder and then sometimes what happens with these movies not sometimes quite often on Shudder is a movie that they're gonna do on the last drive-in or on one of the last drive-in specials will pop up on Tubi some weeks or months beforehand Mm -hmm. Um, and then I will have already watched it by the time they do it on the show which I like and don't like because I like to be able to, you know, peel back another layer of the onion because they go super deep into all the, you know, everything about it. In fact, if I recall, um, and I, I wish I would have time to rewatch it because with, you know, the last drive in specials and Joe Bob and all that, it makes the movie like twice as long, um, which is fun. But it's just, you know, time constraint here. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I wish I would have time to rewatch the Valentine's Day special from last year or two years ago where they did this movie because I think they had um, – the director the uh, the 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 woman who did like everything on this movie mm-hmm. i don't even know what to refer to her as anna biller uh as auteur. the director but you call her yeah, auteur. Auteur. <laughs> yeah there you go um I, I think they had her on because i remember she was very um interesting to to like listen to her you know philosophy on filmmaking and and uh, creating art in general but mm-hmm. um yeah i so this is the third time i've watched the movie is i guess what i've what I uh, set out to say. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. no, you're right. Cause like I did a dive cause like there's so little about her. Like I've never really heard of her before. I've never seen this film before. And like, Mm -hmm. there's so little about her. I was just like doing a Google dive on her. I wound up like on her Twitter and like her Twitter is very much like, just puts forth like all the aesthetics that she's into and everything. And I hate, mm-hmm. I hate to say it this way, but like, I don't know. I don't have a better way to say it, but this film reminded me of just like a moving Pinterest board. Yes. Because- <laughs> it's
1: very aesthetics forward.
3: Interest.
2: Yeah. Forward.
3: Yeah.
1: She had a, a, an aesthetic vision in mind that she wanted to bring to life on the screen. And the story Is not nearly as gripping as the
2: aesthetics, which is why, again, I said it reminded me of Black Dynamite in a way, because Mm -hmm. like it's obvious the people behind Black Dynamite have a love and affinity for the 70s exploitation martial arts film. And so they they recreate it perfectly, but also it's Mm -hmm. one of the funniest films ever made. I'm only
3: I'm most curious, too, because I was like in looking, I kind of saw this movie. I mean, and all the cheesy tackiness of like just the acting and can tell that was very purposeful mm-hmm. is it almost puts you back in this era that might make us understand why the story kind of makes sense and why she's like trying to like it has this like all these like feminist implications of Mm -hmm. like she's like taking back and regaining control of her own like love life in a sense through this Mm -hmm. like witchcraft story but i think like when you see it you start feeling like you are in like the 60s or 70s when at that point I think there was different, very specific Stereotypes of certain Roles of women in society mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think, like, maybe Um That allowed me to understand that a little Bit more, because I think, in essence, this is a really Cheesy story, and I'm kind of just, like in, in all essence For as much as, like, there Feels like these, like, feminist implications I'm, like, still, like, she just is very desperate Yeah, and it's I hate weird it. I hated that throughout the
1: whole it, thing it, it was interesting, because it's um, I like the themes of the mo- of the movie more than I like the, s- the actual plot of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it, it's obviously this this like betraying gender stereotypes thing. And you think she's going to ultimately be the kind of like empowered feminist who's taking back her sexuality and all that. But then she's kind of not. She's still like a right. vulnerable character that's figuring she's it out desperate. for herself. Yeah. And ultimately she's she's kind of going about things in the wrong way, which I think is. All, like, I'm not really sure what the the, st- I'm not really sure what the um the director was necessarily your writer was necessarily trying to do or say in that. But at least it wasn't ultra predictable. I just think the um I think it was just too long. Mm-hmm. Like if it if this there was it felt like there was a good 30, 40 minutes that could have just got cut and it would have missed no- I don't like know, nothing. I mean,
3: I'm really curious to you because like I feel like for even how I feel about the story and everything like. It was a two-hour film, but I feel like the way it was just kind of cut up, it always felt like it was this soap opera-esque type vibe. Yeah, it was very melodrama, yeah. And so, like, I feel like they kept coming back at the right times for me, at least. So, I never felt, like, bored or like I was losing my attention. So, I don't know. Um, At least that's how I experienced it.
2: It's also part of, like, the way the film is made and the way it's edited that makes it feel longer than it has to be is you know and it's in line with the style of a film from the 60s but like everything right. is shot flatly there's not mm-hmm. real there's not too many really interesting camera angles you get a no, couple
1: the camera is not very dynamic at yeah. all at any point like it's always mm-hmm. like you get even
2: like to the point where you get like a wide
3: shot or like a close-up shot right. of like the specific thing happening and yeah you
2: yep. get it you get a couple you get a couple punch zooms which were of the time where, like, they, mm-hmm. they quickly zoom in on somebody's eyes or somebody's face for dramatic effect. But, like, that's all they did as far as, you know, dynamic camera movement. And then the other thing is, editing-wise, you see, like, every action, you know, you, you every establishing shot has cars pulling up. <laughs> She's. I was gonna say there's so much parking of cars. I yeah. feel like which is, which is very you know it's very
1: classic from that yeah. era, and yeah. it's something
2: that, like mystery science theater makes fun of all the time. Like
1: oh yeah, mystery science theater. That's what I was. Yeah, thinking they of. always they love always do making this. fun
2: of like car movement for no reason, and then cars parking. Yeah, and then um you have like anytime she's like doing a witch recipe, you see every step like you watch her make it in real time. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's mm-hmm. no like, whereas like you think of the way you know, Sean of the Dead is edited and the way, you know, Sean gets ready in the morning. It's like five yeah. quick cuts and then pow, pow, and right. the entire yeah. morning is yeah, over like implicated mm-hmm. to. Yeah, yeah.
3: Like of what's actually happening. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely edited and shot for the time. It and this is where my problem is with the film is like so is black dynamite black dynamite is shot poorly in a lot of ways on purpose it's just that movie's funny and this movie isn't if this movie was funnier on purpose there's mm-hmm. a couple and there's a couple instances that we can talk about as they come up of like where i think she's doing something very deliberately funny mm-hmm. but overall the movie isn't funny
1: no mm-hmm. no it doesn't it, it's more quirky than it is funny Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um the one thing i getting back to the themes the one thing i did like and took away from it this time that i didn't earlier and we we should say they are sticking incredibly close like they're playing it very close to the vest in the whole idea that this is literally a movie from the 60s like they are trying to there's never like a uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Like I remember the mm-hmm. first time I watched this. Um, Kate was watching it with me, and she was kind of half watching. And then they said something about you know 2016 or 2017 or whatever, and she was like, "Wait, what?" This movie because right. she was like half not paying uh-huh. attention. And so it is very much tried to, to to look like and have this many of the sensibilities and all these things of a of a movie from you know 2016, but um, or I mean from from the 60s rather, but this time around i did like the idea of obviously this is during a much more conservative time frame like the 60s when you know there would be much more deeply ingrained uh, gender roles not that they're not there now but like they were just like om- almost a foregone conclusion in the 60s and then but they're still like living in this very like liberal environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of i don't know if they ever come out and say it's california they
2: do it's but it is california yeah yeah. because yeah. uh elaine the main character moves from san francisco right yeah
1: yeah so but it's very it's very yeah they 60s which is
3: <laughs> there or something mm-hmm. you know that's why yes
1: <laughs> it's a very liberal environment but she's still dealing with all the same type of you know gender stereotypes and roles and stuff like that despite being in this more liberal environment.
3: Yeah, to your point um, about like that, you know, it being very deliberately feeling like 60s and Kate specifically being like, what? This like, they mentioned something newer. Is that this time around and watching it, like for whatever reason in my brain, I still thought they were trying to kind of be in the 60s in a sense. And then I saw the cell phone use that when Trish pulls it out at the last time the when they have tea. And I'm like, oh, head head smack like this is kind of more of a modern film it, but i still think I like for the make film yeah. they i wish they would have like not done something like that i kind of wish they would have like left some of the technology out and like even given a little nods whether or not towards like stuff from the 60s or even more modern things and kind of let it be up to you to decide when this was actually taking place Mm. i think where a a cell phone is a very clear indicator that's like (laughs) iphone-esque it's not even a flip phone so it's all like we can say it's like (laughs) i didn't
1: even notice you know, yeah. and that's probably a testament to the filmmaker that like I was in the world and didn't even notice that a cell phone was out of place. But also, I guess yeah. it's everything we should say is a very um, uh, 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 not just aesthetically stylized, but a very heightened reality. Yeah, um,
2: it's, so. and it feels like it kind of feels like the monsters in a lot of way or uh, hmm. like the even just to get even weirder on the reference like the, the Brady movies that were made in the 90s yeah. of like how yeah. they were living in the 70s in a modern world. But they were in the modern yeah. world. Yeah. That's
1: such a uh, that's actually a fucking great
2: movie. Yeah. It, uh, no, they're good movies, but <laughs> yeah, much it's movie. just like a weird pool. So so the movie starts in a way that's like anachronistic. That made mm-hmm. me feel like we were going to get more of that. Which I wish we, Mm -hmm. again, I think it lends to it being funnier if you get more anachronistic points. But Mm -hmm. like, yeah, other than like the beginning and the cell phone, it pretty much sticks to being a 60s, you know, styled film. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it opens with kind of this great shot down the, I assume it's the Pacific Coast Highway of Mm -hmm. Elaine's driving and then she gets pulled over by a cop and like, The driving itself is filmed in that back projected style where it's very Mm -hmm. clear that like she's in her car isolated and then they just have footage, you know, projecting in the background behind her, which is like it's a cool throwback to that time. But then like the cop car is very modern, you know, that pulls her (laughs) over. And then this is the first like joke that it came to me that i was like oh this might be like a really funny film is that the police siren on the sound design is so fucking bad like it's purposely bad yeah like you can listen to it it's it's it feels like it's a two or three second loop and the loop hard cuts itself so like it it goes (laughs) we 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 and then it just like when the cop car pulls her over, it fades out in like a bad way that like that's not how sirens work. It but they just oh, put a fade yeah. out and I was like, oh, this movie might be really funny because that's such well, intentionally it, bad badly
1: done. It's such a, a tremendous um Attention to detail in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, I want to be clear. Like, I, I really enjoy this movie, and like, have a tremendous amount of respect for like the the attention to detail and the like very singular vision of what this was supposed to look like and and what it's supposed to evoke. Um, and and I think there's a testament to to movies like this that do kind of pull on either like nostalgia kind of strings or just are trying to evoke a different era. And in this instance, it's a very specific thing. It's it's not even just that time frame it's movies of that time frame. Right. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like a a, a a self-aware movie within a movie almost you know what mm-hmm. i mean um so i i do i mean i i dig that kind of stuff it's just uh it, it it felt like it got caught up in that a little bit to a sense where it stopped taking care of the story and and other characters and then just kind of like meandered but i i think if you probably spoke to the Director, I don't, you know, obviously don't know a lot about her, but I'm just speculating here that she's totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. And this is like uh, this was a project like for her to to bring this this world to reality. And even if it's we're just sitting in it and kind of marinating in it without things really moving forward, that's probably by
2: design. Yeah. And in like it's just a testament to that if you look at her IMDb profile. Again, nothing that she's done. She hasn't done like any really commercial work. Mm-hmm. Like uh I'm assuming like she she herself is either independently wealthy or her parents are, or she just knows somebody who is that is willing mm-hmm. to finance these art projects. Because mm-hmm. that's what she makes. She just makes art projects that she wants to make. She doesn't make it doesn't feel like she's making film to be famous. She's just making film to you know, because she enjoys film. Yeah. well and- the other
3: thing too it's like I'm um, just reading her background on Wikipedia her mom was a fashion designer and okay. her dad was a visual artist. So it's like growing up in a very creative household. Okay, like- yeah,
2: so yeah. She yeah, <laughs> she probably just comes from a household that like there was money from, you know, like that they made and that uh, yeah, she's able to use that to, you know, fuel her art. So, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, this this whole movie could have very easily been like a diorama, mm-hmm. you know, I mean? yeah, yeah. like it's just this is the medium that she that she she picked for this project, which is which is pretty cool. Um, obviously, uh, yeah. a little I don't know, I hate, hate to say, but like I there is something for somebody who appreciates like exploitation films and all those types of things. I do kind of like the when a movie has to like. Hustle and scrape a little bit Mm. where a filmmaker has to, you know what I mean? And this feels like such a, something about this being just like an, over the top vanity project of sorts, like you could view it like that, yeah. is a little annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it,
2: it's also interesting though, because when we think of vanity projects, we think of like the room, or we yeah, think something of where
1: they put themselves in the movie. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's not fair to call it a vanity project, but it's just like it's it's when you don't have to worry about the commercial aspect or the the hustle of it. Yeah, um, you have. It frees up so much more effort and 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 just mental bandwidth mm-hmm. to not have to worry about that. Yeah. Um. I, and so it's it's almost like somebody who who um, you know, it's almost like they got the game genie.
2: Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She she got a game genie to make art, and it's yeah the way I feel about it is what I was like getting at is like, when we think of these vanity projects, we think of the room and we think of Neil Breen and they put Mm -hmm. themselves in it. And it's like bad, like they don't know horrible. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing in filmmaking. Whereas like, it's obvious that Anna knows what she's doing and she has the game genie to make her art project. And Mm -hmm. she probably falls more in line with like Lena Dunham Mm. because like Lena Dunham grew up in like an arty household. And she like, this is, there was that whole big like Nepo baby, Fucking uh-huh. <laughs> conversation that like people were ha- having. It's like eh, I don't care about that that much, but also yeah, you, I mean, you can honestly, recognize if somebody else
1: was in that role. Like if you were in that position, yeah. you'd probably do the same thing, right? So it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, like putting any type of moral judgment on them. It just changes the feel of the of the movie yeah. in a lot of
2: ways. Yeah, because it's it it's. It feels like it was easy for her to make this film. The challenge was in pre-production and Mm post-production of like gathering all the materials like or creating the dresses that are in the in the film. And then like Mm -hmm. Meg, you said this was printed from an an edited negative.
3: Yeah, that's what it said. um, Printed from an original cut negative. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like she did reel to reel editing, which nobody fucking does anymore. Mm -hmm. For a lot of reasons, (laughs) but, but if she did that, she did it in, you know, that's her just pursuing an artistic way of doing it. You know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's not interested. I mean, even filming on film is, uh, such an out of the, out of the world thing for small budget films. Yeah,
1: yeah. So expensive mm-hmm. and just I mean, obviously, you, in this instance, you have to do thirty five millimeter to get this type of aesthetic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but um, and 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 it shows off and the the polish uh, is there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it, at no time do I want to like question the 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 just like talent of her as a as a, a visual filmmaker. Um, and, you know, we, we haven't really talked a whole lot about the, the plot or the story quite yet but uh, it's not to say it's bad it's just it I think if the movie didn't look as striking as it did mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be as glaring of a contrast that the story mm-hmm. is a little lacking
2: yeah. And,
3: yeah and I feel like the story kind of has this like repetitive nature to it absolutely you know, yeah. Thing, yeah. You know? yeah
2: and it, it's I think it's kind of supposed to you know again it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of by design it's supposed to be that way it's like you know the film is two hours long and it's it's like a cozy film it's something that mm-hmm. you can throw on you can kind of throw it on in the background if you want yeah you don't have to give it you you can give it as much attention as you want mm-hmm. you know and like i think a lot of that time the attention is going to be what you see visually but yep, yep. yeah
1: it's like i was watching it in the background it's like i've seen it before but you all of a sudden you look up and you're like oh there's some sort of cool ritual happening in the background mm-hmm. you're like hey, just eye-catching
3: we got a lot of boobs and swinging dicks going on a here, guys. A
1: lot of nudity, a lot of uh you know, pretty people with of- their privates out. Um, <laughs> she
3: definitely witchy shit, you know. Yeah, this is witchy way- shit.
2: Yeah, witchy shit. Cool witchy imagery. Yeah, I don't know how much I don't know how much merkin work goes on in this, but she definitely put yeah. out a casting call of like, do you still have your bush? Do you want to grow yeah. your bush out more?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In search of bush.
3: Do you appreciate a good 70s bush? Me Come too. Come on down. Yeah,
1: me too. I could boy, howdy boy. It.
3: But yeah, to kind of talk about a little bit more of the plot. And um, I think like the more I even said it out loud of like it has this repetitive nature that, you know, as much as we're trying to have this like, I don't know, like feminist um reclamation of sorts like of her sexuality and she's still getting caught up in the same sort of patterns of behavior. And I think like that's probably one of the most human things to this movie mm-hmm. is that you know we we can try to learn from what we go through and even take control of the situation and still end up at the, the same results and stuff like yeah. that. So um Elaine, as we said, we're just leaving, was driving on the highway uh, leaving San Francisco to go live in arcada um mm. to kind of get away from a situation where her husband had left her and she's being implicated to have possibly killed him. And uh, whether or not, I think it, all these signs like she has this weird behavior about her where you're almost like, I either want you to be a really mean person or you're just coming off like really dumb.
0: Mm.
3: I don't know if you guys, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's either like I wanted her to be a little bit more intentional with what she was doing, yeah. because I think when she's not, she kind of comes off as this character that doesn't know what she's doing whatsoever, and I, I kind of hate how that's portrayed.
1: She comes off as like a um you know a, I don't even say an antihero. She comes off as like a just a sociopath. Um, yeah. In in the way that like she is, tr- she her belief or understanding of what love is, has been like so irreversibly poisoned by culture um, that she's just never going to like, it's almost like fatalistic from the beginning. Mm -hmm. She's never going to find love because she doesn't even know what love is. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's not her fault. Maybe it's society's fault, but it like, she thinks that love, like she's obsessed with love in the like, Valentine's Day sense of love. Right. Which is Guys, to say so like, timing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean this is literally kind of the per- perfect like Valentine's movie because it, it actually like <laughs> indirectly has like kind of a weird criticism on like what Valentine's Day is and like uh, like our cultural yeah, tenets around like how we around celebrate love Valentine's and like, Day.
3: how we mm, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so skewed in our brains it, of like what the it's stereotypes are. Like, should thing. be love. It's yeah. almost
1: like she, she treats love like it is transactional a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a transaction with her potential partner. It's a transaction with um, like, you know, the powers that be, you know, witchy powers mm. and stuff like that. So I do a thing. It makes him fall in love with me. And she just wants that, like, puppy love, romantic. I mean, obviously, lustful is a big part of it, sexuality and all that, which obviously Once
3: it goes too far and you start getting becoming a whiny little bitch. Yeah. You're but out. then, like, she doesn't want to. De- Don't be a whiny bitch about it. That's
1: why it's so surface level. She wants the puppy love and the, and the wooing <laughs> yeah. and the and the, you know, romance but she doesn't want emotion.
3: Right. right. Or like a real yeah. thing where you have to deal with conflict and you have to deal with like yeah. all the other stuff that comes like the say thi- a- after that.
1: And oh, the oh, the things that you would only do for and with someone that you truly loved, right. she doesn't want to have anything to do with the, these things because she of course doesn't truly love these people. So like that's where I get the sociopath thing is like she doesn't understand the emotion part of it so (laughs) she just just surface level yeah
2: so i i I, this is something i kind of connected towards the end i had a very specific note on that and kind of the plot just to quickly get there through the plot the plot is like she keeps casting these love spells these men fall obsessively addictively in love with her and then like she either has to kill them or they die or she poisons them just because they become too simpy, and then she hates it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. That, that's the whole movie. that's yeah, the plot. That's the, that's the movie. But then, <laughs> but then,
3: then Griff comes into play, right. and he fights back, and then she's like,
2: Yeah, Then she finds a guy who calls her out on her bullshit, and like says, "You're like borderline personality." Also, he's a cop, and he's like, "I know that you killed all these guys. You're going, you're going to jail." And also, I hate you. And also, like, I'm not taking your love spell. So she kills him. But it, right.
3: Can we like talk about it for two seconds, like when that was all going down in the cabaret, the club, mm-hmm. the burlesque mm-hmm. club, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was such an interesting scene. It goes from zero to sixty where these people want to attack her and kill her, to then they want to fuck her, and then all of a sudden these guys are taking off yeah. their pants, and it was just like <laughs> such, like this time around I just like so I was like. That felt very like zero to 60 it, for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'd love to come back to come back on more of those scenes in that club because it's there's a lot of interesting things that happen in there. But um, sure. the very end of the film is like she's killing Griff. And then as she's killing Griff, she's having this fantasy of like it's a very you know uh, uh like renaissance medieval wedding that is replicating <laughs> something that they already did in the earlier in the film as like a first date but in this scene there is no music and very intentionally Anna shows the band playing but you hear no music and it's mm. it's something that is written a lot uh from like people who write about the uh, psychopaths and sociopaths is like mm. there's a common phrase that they use a lot which is called uh they they know the words but not the music mm. oh I know and I, I don't know yeah. i don't i don't know how intentional anna has it but that like that struck me immediately because i've like read it so many times of like knowing the words but not the music and it's it's Feels like exactly what Elaine's going through in that moment in that she knows all the words of what she wants out of love, but Mm -hmm. she can't she literally can't hear the music that you would hear in that instance.
1: Boy, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, I would be uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to go rewatch that scene because I did yeah. not make that connection, nor did I. Uh, the, the phrase makes a lot of sense, um, but I've never I've never heard that phrase before. But it, if it's would be surprising if that was not intentional. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. because like she is such a sociopath because like you see a lot of I mean, you see a lot of negative things between her and the men, obviously. But then mm-hmm. there's the. Uh, the one guy she's seducing, which is Richard, who is the husband of the woman you meet Trish, beforehand, yeah. Trish. Her friend. Yeah. yeah. And tri- uh, I, believe, I believe Trish is just like the realtor or like perhaps the property owner that's renting out the room.
3: She is that interior decorator who knows Barbara. And okay. is like Kind of like the landlord, like a manager of the property <laughs> yeah. of sorts. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they go and sit in the tea room. She's the tea room one, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And then... Just the way she treats Trish after Trish reveals that Richard kills himself over Elaine, Mm -hmm. like how quickly she's dismissive of Richard being dead and then Mm -hmm. going on to her own thing of I found love with Griff. Is yeah. such a sociopathic, narcissistic, oh, yeah. in her oh, own yeah. world It immediately thing.
3: makes you feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not how normal people respond to other normal people. It's no.
1: it's actually a really... So I just watched this thing on YouTube. Uh, it was like an hour and a half long uh, interview with a... Like a, a, a a uh, sociopath that was like this con man mm-hmm. who like you know this this real estate con man who you know ran from the cops and stole bajillions of dollars and all this stuff and he's very self-aware about being a sociopath mm-hmm. and he explained like what his social interactions boiled down to for him as a as a narcissistic sociopath and it A lot of it was that is like, I am just desperate to not talk about you, get past your part of the discussion. He's like, and Mm -hmm. then I'll blink and I will realize that I've been talking about myself for 20 minutes.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's all it's all transactional and it's all just to get to your next part, like the their next Mm -hmm. speaking lines is what it is <laughs> <laughs> waiting for their chance to talk yeah. yeah is all they're not having a conversation
1: they're just waiting for their chance to talk mm-hmm.
3: how i feel on this podcast
1: sometimes that's how i live my whole <laughs> life
3: <laughs> You're like waiting for me to shut up waiting for specifically
1: meg to <laughs> shut up no <laughs> no i was like i i remember somebody saying that to me as a kid because i was just a listen if you've listened if you're a fan of the show i'm nothing if not verbose i talk a lot i get that you're a chatterbox
3: you i'm a, chatterbox a damn old uh, chatty your little, kathy <laughs> you're a little like they sent that home in second grade they are like he's a nice guy but he um he's a chatterbox
1: yeah yeah i used to get in, i was the kid who got in ta- you know in trouble for talking all the time oh, but God. i do remember that as a kid sitting with me somebody was like You're just waiting for your shut up. You're just waiting for your chance to talk. And I was like,
2: oh, (laughs) damn it. You're right. I am. I I believe I've said it before, but I'm pretty sure all three hosts on the show have some form of of undiagnosed ADHD with all the fidgeting we do and the talking oh, yeah. over each other. You guys
1: can't see what I'm doing. I have a little skeleton and I have a little spider and I'm just kind of rubbing them against each other and doing all kind of weird am, shit. with I them. am
2: unscrewing and screwing in my tablet pen. So
1: we just need to do an entire side um, podcast on our own um, like uh, mental quirks and uh, and issues. Yeah, I used to get yelled to at it. all the time for presumption. Like at work, that's all I did was present all day and teach classes and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I would click a pen the entire time. And so many times, somebody in the class would put their hand up and be like, "Can you stop clicking that pen?" (laughs) I'd be like, "Sorry," (laughs) because I didn't realize I'm doing it. You
2: know? Yeah, there's a lot of fidgeting and interrupting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they did make fun of me for not being able to say my A (laughs) L S.
3: I kind of wish that was like a thing, is still like still for you, or if that was actually a thing in your life.
1: It wasn't, but I think Damn it's it. very funny to talk like that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things like, instantly you see someone can't say they're like oh buddy, adorable <laughs> now we're making uh, fun of people and I'm, I'm not actually making fun of people. i think these things are adorable like i love people.
2: saying Saui. sally," and this <laughs> and this is the other thing for our adhd is that now this is what we're talking about we're talking yeah, about this is a different
1: thing steve
2: we're, we're past your point i know stop I'm, no i'm doing it for the audience
1: validating his point yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding i'm are doing are it for people. the audience i'm pointing
2: it out to you the audience want to hear <laughs>
1: another thing about me
2: <laughs> I'm just saying We're, we're now Three rabbit no, holes Brian, down You know, know We've gone from the movie To sociopaths To ADHD To talking about How we like to say we" And I'm hungry <laughs> Hungry <laughs> I'm Hungry <laughs>
3: Can we try All this to right. do like a WebMD um podcast mm-hmm. now yes. and like try to help diagnose what I need to do to not be sick anymore?
2: Well, that's just I already told you what it was. It's Robotussin and JMO doing shots. Uh,
3: I don't have any more. I need to go to the store, guys. Okay. Back to the movie, I
2: <laughs> Back to the movie. So yeah, look.
3: I'm gonna go looking like this too, guys. <laughs> it's terrible.
2: Give me, medicine and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'd love to come back to, like, those different club scenes because there's this dive bar slash go-go bar in 2016, mm. apparently. Go-go bar. That's a great phrase. Yeah, go-go bar. <laughs> <laughs> they have, like, they have women on stage dancing, and the fir- I believe it's the first time we visit it, it's... Elaine is meeting up with people we've only seen in flashbacks beforehand, but they're apparently like her kind of witch coven that they've been mm-hmm. together before. And we meet, uh, I think her name's Samantha and the other one who's kind of the warlock leader of the witch cult, Barbara. Barbara? Is it Barbara? Oh, Bar- Barb. yeah. Uh, Weird. Okay. So, oh, yeah. We meet Barbara and then uh, Gahane. Who is.
3: Oh, you remember Gahane's name and not Barbara? No,
2: I just found it on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we meet Barbara and Gahane, and then, like, Elaine is seeking some sort of instruction from them. And this is where Barbara delivers an interesting monologue about, like, using sexual empowerment and specifically sexual magic to like get what they want out of men and it's juxtaposed over uh, one of these go-go dancers or burlesque really cuz she goes down to the the pasties the the spinny tassel mm-hmm. pasties yeah. mm-hmm. and like you have like these lecherous old men who are just like Bleh, I'm going to get somebody <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. i wish you could see what you just did with your face yeah.
2: i'm pretty sure people could get it <laughs>
3: yeah they just when they do
1: that their tongue like un unrolls yeah. like a like a red carpet Yeah, really
2: like, yeah. yeah it's, it's yeah. the old wolf in the <laughs> bugs bunny cartoons where his tongue comes rolling oh, yeah. out like touches wolf, them a little wolf bit comes out them. and oh, then God.
1: the tongue flops out then the tongue turns into stairs mm-hmm. like oh, that's <laughs>
2: Like, yeah, you got a whole bunch of men in the front row doing that as this woman's giving a burlesque dance and it's over, you know, Barbara giving the speech about like, you know, sexual and feminine, feminine empowerment using that. And it's like, it's weird because I don't know, I guess you just know that like she's saying, use all these tools to your advantage to take advantage of men. And then once you have them in your grasp, then you can do whatever you want with them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you take a look at the guys in this audience. notes on that part. Yeah, you take a look at these guys in the audience and it's like, I don't think they'll ever fall for that though. Like they're just there to they're just scumbags for scumbags sake. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they'll never be taken over by the the, the sex magic
3: i'm always curious if this is like some playing into some sort of like feminist stereotype like that they're trying to talk about like how when you're reclaiming your sexuality though like that allows like you to have more control in the situations because oftentimes we're talking about these like sexual power dynamics um like sex is used as a power and a control you know over women oftentimes so i wonder if this is like their perception like through this lens of like how they can reclaim that you know and again using witchcraft and spells to kind of further that um it it did feel a little off because they were always uh it felt um a little chaotic every time they used it and every time it was like oftentimes enacted it never felt like there was a power and control with it too it always kind of felt chaotic so i don't know if there's something else being said there and i think we're just like i don't know maybe i should have spent more time thinking about it but no that's um, a good point
1: because I, I i this that made me think about because i was trying to pinpoint like what exactly is the overarching theme where everyone in this story maybe with the exception of trish but even trish like she doesn't she, no one has f- got love figured out, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like no one is, mm. no one is successful necessarily in
2: their love life. Yeah,
3: even Gehane's kind of a creep, and you can tell Barbara doesn't even fucking oh.
2: like care. You know? Oh yeah. No.
3: Gehane's so, kind of uh, a major creep in this. Oh yeah. It, yeah.
2: I think it's strongly um, sexually assaulting. People. Yeah, yeah. I think I was going to say it's strongly implied that like he sexually assaults Elaine at one point, and like that's mm-hmm. his whole deal is like, he's this cult leader, and like. But Elaine keeps it's something you mentioned before, Meg, about like Elaine keeps coming back Mm. to these bad habits. And one of these bad habits Mm. is always hanging out with this coven of fucking perverts who are like (laughs) they're they're just not they're just and it's the scene. It's the scene where they go back to the, the, the ritual. They have this whole ritual thing. And then after the ritual, it breaks down into what you think is like a swinging 60s soiree. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're just stuffing food in their face, and they have, like, the upbeat organ music playing in the background. Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're just as boring and dull and garbage as everybody yeah. else. They just happen to get naked and do a circle thing beforehand. Oh, yeah. It kind of
3: reminds me of, like, Silicon Valley when um, they all go to the satanic cult the one night mm-hmm. and they're, uh, like, well,. That's the ceremony. We have, uh what is it chick-fil-a over here for you guys (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's
1: like you're trying to be edge lords but you're just you're just it's it's just looking at the same
2: thing through a different and it's just a bunch of fat ugly naked people and then they have chick-fil-a after they do their little ritual i mean okay so maybe (laughs)
3: there's like more implications here because i think like something that i have just have a general thought about life on is like we're talking about like community Mm -hmm. and this was something that elaine found that like allowed her to feel like she had more control in her life after Jerry left her, the, you know, and she's like, you know, didn't know what to do, didn't know why he left. It's just like, you know, we hear the um soundovers talking about how like at one point where he was just like really demeaning to her, mm-hmm. talking about her weight, talking about um how sloppy she was, how she didn't couldn't take care of the home and stuff like that. So these are things that I think this movie is saying a lot more about like really trying to find that community. And this one just happened to, I think in in a way, make you think that you're taking control of your life, but like, it's just enabling it almost. Mm-hmm. That was like my sense for yeah.
1: it. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, the, uh, I think we're, we're talking about like two sides of the same coin here because sure. the, the conclusion I ultimately came to when I tried to just like unpack the theme or like the overarching theme here is like, love or sex or relationships in general as like weaponized, like using it as an adversarial kind of weaponized approach. And like everyone in this movie ultimately has a very thin or surface level understanding of like of romantic love Mm -hmm. Uh, and like built into this adversarial mindset and this transactional mindset and this us versus you. And Hey, you can do whatever you want with men. If you get them into this position and all this stuff is really like completely at odds with the most elemental part of like a romantic love relationship, which is, I guess, um, uh, vulnerability, Uh I guess is probably a way to put it. So like they're all so horribly Scared of being vulnerable that they concoct all of this (laughs) you know all of the set dressing around this idea of love so that they can dip their toes in it without being vulnerable you know what I mean but I do think it's interesting that there's never really a character maybe with the exception of Trish a little bit who explains it to them you right. know what I mean like you would expect something like this a movie like this with with that that as like one of the main themes this idea of like love is being transactional or or, or adversarial however you want to put it there's never really a someone that you can point to that says like that person knew it all along you know what mm-hmm. I mean usually there's a character like that and and that character never really comes
2: no no it, pretty much everybody's a shitbird uh yeah but yeah like Trish probably gets the closest <clears throat> Uh, simply because mm-hmm. like she what she had something or at least thought she had something that was you know in line with that like with Richard yeah. and like you don't see enough of their relationship to really uh, you know you only see like after Richard's fallen under Elaine's spell the way he which is just such a great scene the way he is just disheveled and drinking straight from the drinking cart it's so fucking good yeah.
1: yeah it's it's uh the 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 cartoonishness in in which uh elaine's you know lovers kind of like implode on themselves Mm -hmm. is pretty Mm -hmm. entertaining Mm -hmm. and i wish there had been more of that
2: honestly yeah Yeah, just the way like Um, because like wayne throws himself into these (laughs) screaming wailing (laughs) simping
3: like it probably could have been more of like a horror comedy if they definitely just amped that up a little bit more or like allowed her reactions to be more comedic or like a caricature of
1: it wayne was the the like hippie guy on campus right
2: he wayne, yeah wayne was the, the first guy that like she found on campus and then he,
1: the bench she was sitting on the bench mm-hmm, and, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they okay, went to should...
2: the cabin out in the woods mm-hmm. it was it was so funny because i just listened to an episode from last podcast of mm-hmm. um they were talking about this famous poisoner uh like i think her name was nanny something or other I forget. Oh yeah, was she like the 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 Black Widow killer or whatever? Yeah, she, she was like a she was like a, yeah, a, a, a healthcare. Something. She
1: worked in the healthcare. Field uh, no. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody. No, different
2: I th- well, I think maybe she uh, nanny Doss. Um, I don't think she was uh, a full. Uh, she wasn't a full angel of death. She was more mm. of a, a black widow killer, but like yeah, I'm getting two people mixed up. Yeah, but like they told the story of Nanny Doss, and like Nanny Doss would poison people with plum pie, and oh yeah, like she would leave them in the other room to just die and scream, like it was mm. a painful, long, painful death that she just left guys in bed screaming, and like Wayne d- dies the same way. I was like, oh, I just heard about mm. this because <laughs> I'm pretty sure like she she poisons his breakfast. And then just leaves him to die screaming in bed. I, I wonder if Aunt, uh, I wonder if Anna uh, pulled that from the same well, thing. Well, that's
3: where like that's mm-hmm. where it's like another thing is like that's a good example of when I talked about how I don't. It doesn't ever feel intentional. Mm-hmm. So like then you're not don't know like I don't know if I believe the sociopath thing or if I believe that she's just very intentional. Like I feel like if she was more intentional, I'd be like, yeah, she's a complete sociopath. It comes off just super ignorant. a lot of ways like she kind of like learned something Mm -hmm. tried something and then was just like whoops
1: yeah yeah it's all hapless it's it's like she she has sociopathic tendencies but it doesn't necessarily mean that she's like a ultra organized yeah person you know what i mean i think Mm -hmm. she's just she's just acting off of Instinct and intuition, and when it doesn't go her way, she's like,
3: "Well,
2: all right, start over, try again." Yeah, she doesn't have a good way of starting over. Her starting over is yeah. killing. Well, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. So there
3: might be, a, there might have been actual feelings with Wayne, though, because I mean, she did leave the witch's bottle. You know, mm-hmm. give your lover your tampon. Yeah, slay, and your peepee it's the whole
1: thing, yeah. your pee-pee. Well, you need all these things for sex magic, guys. <laughs> yeah, we've we have talked about sex again, magic before notes. on the show. <laughs> Now it's coming full circle. <laughs> pee and sage goes in the grave. <laughs> yeah. You know, the only thing I don't love about this movie, like, actually, I would say probably my biggest criticism of this movie, not enough cum. <laughs> <laughs> just not, not mean, loads thrown everywhere. it is everywhere. implied that at least all the people she had sex
3: with came. Sure.
1: I know, but it's just I'm like, w- when you think sex magic, you think one thing buckets of cum and that just isn't (laughs) like used in the spells (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you know
2: what brian i think that's much more of a gahane story than it is an elaine story (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's the sequel yeah
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. gahane is out there throwing batches 50
1: 50 gallon drums (laughs) or ropes he just thinks all the women really like it you know
3: (laughs) Yeah,
1: he jars it like you would jar like you know peach
2: preserves. Right. Gives Put the it meal. on
3: toast for the ladies. <laughs> Jesus, I
2: want to see I want to see the story where Gahane's going to like women he's stalking, and he's just like throwing egg custard on their doors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or I was imagining him like that's how she meets because the the one with uh you know with Wayne is it's it, it almost feels like a hallmark you know uh, love story of oh, yeah. movie a little bit they meet uh, if it was that but it was. Gahane and he's at the Farmer's Market selling at a Stand selling jars of
3: <laughs> And peaches too You know? And peaches yeah.
1: Oh and the movie's called Cum and Peaches oh. <laughs> The peaches is like a double meaning Cause I think like we the just peach emoji porn, is like a, a butt I
2: think we just named a
0: porno
2: I think, I think, it's, I think it's gotta be like Artisanal Soap or artisanal face cream like oh it's all God. it's all natural face cream.
1: Or it's a candle. He's making mm-hmm. candles out of yeah. his cum. Like cotton wick, organic candles. The residue candles. Is, is
3: actually purposeful. Yeah. It they feeds all, the skin.
1: They all kind of smell like sandalwood. They all smell like sandalwood <laughs> and bleach.
0: <laughs> and
1: bleach and those weird trees that like, smell like cum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, we're not making a sequel to this movie. Why not?
3: <laughs> not a fan film? We're not going into the fan film fan world? Fan film. What? Oh, no. uh, <laughs> I was
2: uh, this is Bullshit <laughs> I want to make the cult movie <laughs> This is The whole th-
3: episode is Steve's pitch
1: to make a fan yeah. film of it
3: <laughs> He's a big fan of Gahane Yeah, yeah. I want
2: to <laughs> know about, more about Gahane's story About like you know his bad hairline And <laughs> how he stalks yeah. women And
3: Why is there Why is the like leader of a satanic cult always ugly
2: Cause that's what they because- do <laughs>
1: They need this. Yeah. They need this. <laughs> yeah. Very rarely is like yeah. Look, look at cult leaders. They're rarely are they attractive. You know what I mean? Jared Leto, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Elron <laughs> Hubbard. Elron Hubbard is a absolute just chud. Ugo.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hubbard. Ugo. LeVay Ugo. <laughs> he,
3: <laughs> yeah. he was definitely told there's out there's someone out there for him though. That's why and he became a cult leader. He was yeah. looking for his lady.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. What, Jim what? Jones, bloated uggo. Oh yeah,
1: gross. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> gross. Fucking strawberry nose. Um, so guys, guys, this movie. A bunch hey, of Jim Blossom happy, drunks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> happy <laughs> Valentine's Day, y'all.
1: <laughs> we're here. We're here. It's Valentine's Talking Day. Tomorrow, Coleman guys, peaches. don't forget to gift your um significant other either calm or period blood. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then hopefully they'll do the same for you. And then you can perform sex magic uh, yeah. of some sort on Valentine's day. Yes.
2: I had a, I had a couple more just like little notes about like the filmmaking of just mm-hmm. like things that were done in the film that I thought were interesting. One. So uh, Anna did all of the music for this, right? But mm-hmm. the two diegetic songs, in this film, are fucking terrible, and I think she did it on purpose. The first one is the harp song in the tea room when they oh, first yeah. go to the, the tea room and
1: playing the harp. That song is so fucking bad and like it's so <laughs> abrasive. Like I, you don't think of a harp as an abrasive
2: instrument, yeah. but it really is. And the lyrics are just dog shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they don't rhyme correctly.
3: It almost feels like these weird cliches. Like you know, it's like it's what. You would normally hear, but then when you actually mm-hmm. listen, you're like, "Whoa, this is really fucking insane and mm, weird." It's not actually good. It takes you good. out of the world that you're in, almost in a right. sense. You're like, "I
1: wasn't." Thinking. You wonder if it is that. Like, i Meg, may, maybe you're onto something. I wonder if it is this because this does feel like a, a an underlying theme in the movie is that romanticized love isn't real love. Mm -hmm. And the romanticized version in your head of whatever, whether it's love or sex or romance or whatever, is never what you're picturing. Right, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if that was just something that was built into those decisions.
2: Yeah. Well, and the the other song that comes up is during kind of the Wren Fair that's also mm-hmm. run by the Wiccans that they mm-hmm. just happen to stumble upon or whatever, and like they're they're playing a song in that scene, and like again, the lyrics are like you're saying, Meg. They're super cliche, mm-hmm. and so I'm just wondering, in like both times. Elaine appears to be struck by these songs like they're such great pieces but like they're they're cliche they're bad even I think like the instrumentation is a little cliche yeah but then like yeah. if you listen to all the other non-diegetic soundtrack it's really good like because mm-hmm. it, it evokes the era so I just wonder if that both of those songs play into that original thing we were talking about of it being you know like you're not hearing the music correctly like you know the words but not the music Mm -hmm. yeah i wonder if it's just kind of a juxtapose of that of like she's hearing she's hearing whatever lyrics she wants to hear and they're fucking garbage (laughs) sure so
3: this is for sure coming through my own personal filter so i'm going to preface everything through that and like how i think about like labels and stuff and specifically like you uh, even in the beer world where there's like a lot of people who have been like i'm a witch and i'm like okay cool you like make magic sure i mean like i like you know what i mean i I don't know it just it, it blows my mind and i don't understand it so first and mm-hmm. foremost and then i also have now this are you talking about
1: crystals and shit like that are sure. you talking about crystals we can talk about, pe- crystals, yeah. Can talk it. about it yeah gotcha, any gotcha. of it okay. like
3: it's just there's this modern day i like label of wanting to feel kind of like witchy so mm-hmm. when i think about this you're movie. wearing a coven sweatshirt by the way <laughs> Okay, I just,
1: just, just want to put this in context. You are wearing a shirt that says "Coven" on it. <laughs> Tehe.
3: <laughs> Why are you derailing my point? I just want to I'm say,
1: supporting seemed, my seemed, friends seemed germane to the point. A little bit. <laughs>
2: because you because you mentioned how it happens in the brewery world and that seems to hit like both at the same time but they don't do what you
3: should though they don't talk about it you know what i mean so no
2: no no i know what you mean
3: i was at barnes and noble
1: yesterday i took my kids to you know a little book shopping uh yesterday uh we went to the barnes and noble um because they have a million kids books and there were whole sections that were put in promotional spots like if you know barnes and noble they'll put like stuff that they uh, is relevant in like the center kind of aisle spot. Um, and there was an entire book of like, witch stuff.
3: Sure. Like, and I mean, real it,
1: practical, rich, witch stuff. It, it, it's weird. It's like it very much in the zeitgeist. I mean, yeah,
3: no, no, no. And I mean, I mean this, this thing also, f- so I, I haven't hit the point yet. What I'm going for. Um, yeah. so it was derailed by being called out for my hood in my sweatshirt. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But like, yeah, because I mean, there's even bring in like um, different religions. We're talking about paganism, et cetera, Wicca, like all these different things. And I'm curious, though, with like people who don't really necessarily associate with these things, but like more so like the label for whatever reason, it almost feels Mm -hmm. like this disconnection between like wanting a label to feel like you're like associated with something and then truly having an understanding of that thing you know it's like for to give like a weird example that maybe will drive the point of what i'm actually meaning it's like someone who's like a practicing religion whether we're talking catholic or whatever really i don't Mm -hmm. understand christian christianity so i don't really care catholic yeah. is the only thing i understand so you're I'm, not missing much no i don't think so but there was like a guy he did a thing it's like if someone's like a devout something and then they're like yes this is who i am this is part of my existence because i practice this thing i you know subscribe like the things i rule my life by that versus mm-hmm. just labeling yourself based on something that you like like and you like the idea and it kind of has this weird disconnection between the two of like you don't really have a full understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it but because it feeds some like innate thing that you need again Mm -hmm. going back to me talking about community and this whole like satanic cult kind of giving that to someone and then feeding back to what we know about cults is that that's what they're doing like they're trying to find vulnerable people who need something Mm -hmm. and then bringing them back in. oh yeah i think this film just like totally um play plays that out it's like she wants to call herself a witch because it makes her feel part of something um Mm -hmm. though she has no understanding of what this is or what she can do with it or why she's doing it and she's like whoopsies, I killed someone and it like, there's yeah. no accountability for it either.
1: No, right. I would say it's even, even, you know, beyond making it kind of more, um, like hyper specific and, 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 um, like talking about in terms of like cults, I think just religion and spirituality in general, or like labeled spirituality, whether you're a Christian or a, a, a you know, a Buddhist or a, you know, uh, whatever, like, I think a lot of people it's probably analogous analogous to this idea that people just want to put a label on the thing that they want to associate them with because mm-hmm. humans are inherently scared of what they don't understand, uh, even well, yeah, and I guess uh, um, like anything that's vague or doesn't have a label on it, like ambiguity, they're just you know you're scared sure. of ambiguity. You're you're hardwired to try to um, compartmentalize things to make sense of it in your brain. So mm-hmm. if if you maybe I, I like I venture to say the you know a, a huge percentage of the people who are even like mainstream Christian, like they probably if you you know where the rubber hits the road and said. Do you believe in everything that, you know, your particular sect of Christianity believes in? The answer would pro- most likely be no. Right. But it's much easier to say this is the thing that I right. am rather than explaining all the shades of gray because that's too scary and too totally. complicated. Mm-hmm. So like in this instance, she's doing the same thing, but she's just like, I, I want I think there's a sociopathic element here because she's got some ends to her, her means that she's trying to make up for here, but she's just like, I want to get what I want. This Mm -hmm. is a thing that sounds like it makes sense to me and is going to get me what I want. So I'm a
3: witch now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I think you're saying exactly, you're like shortening exactly what I, the point I was making too. And I think like, we just want to all make sense of the world and Mm. understand each other and so i didn't know if like anna is trying to then portray something like that Mm -hmm. through this film but again that's going through my filter but i'm also that person where i'm like i would rather be super ambiguous to people and be like yeah I like this and this and this and then don't fucking label me i'm like don't say i'm this don't say i'm that because i think like that's it feels a little bit more true and honest. And this film is like very specific pointing out that we want to have an understanding of who each other is or what they do. And even that comes through with how the town sees the witches. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you're either this or you're that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another theme that I just kind of thought of too, as we were talking through this, that sounds like, I wonder if this is an element to it because I'm, I, I keep thinking like to what ends are all of these like, try, I would say trials that Elaine is going through. And there are, I wonder if the theme is ultimately like anti monogamy, mm. like, or character, mm. like, humans are not hardwired for monogamy. Is that the message? Because everything is great until people just start
3: unpacking their baggage on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, if like getting on the dating apps lately is telling me everything is that people are certainly not hardwired for monogamy.
1: Yeah. Like they're, they're just ju- Everyone's like polyamorous. It, yeah. I think that's what they're trying to like. Maybe that's what she's trying to advocate for. Is just like, I mean, just to get you know, go out, you know, interact with each other in the way you want to interact, get what you want or need from that relationship and then move on. Um, I don't know.
3: Or maybe there's like to the same end, but like a different avenue. It's just like maybe it's showing like the pointlessness of trying for it because like mm. it's then just leading you down this path of like these failed <laughs> relationships. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's another maybe. End of
2: it. Yeah. Maybe. But also at the same time, we have to go back to the original point of like everybody in this film is broken. So yeah. like you know like yeah, none of these people can achieve monogamy or that you know proper relationship that everybody idolizes. But that's because mm-hmm. they're also broken. They haven't figured out why they're broken.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and they don't accept that they're broken. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense. I think because Anna, Anna Biller also. I, if I remember on the episode of the last drive and she was on, I do remember her, maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I think I remember her kind of felt like she was working some stuff out when she was making this movie too. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like, I think that maybe it is a little bit more ambiguous because it's not coming from the perspective of something, somebody who has figured it out more of like, uh, uh, of, of like discovering the story, at least, maybe not in real time, but the story is of somebody told from the perspective of somebody who is like in a discovery phase in their life, like romantically, sexually, whatever. But I don't know. It's, at least uh, it's
3: made us think about life and love. Yeah, and, well, like, life. You know what I mean? It's like Live, from
1: laugh love guys that's what. that's what that's why i have that tattooed all across my knuckles <laughs> and on my butt cheeks
2: live laugh love you actually um, have
3: live laugh lobotomy in your in your heart tattoo now <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah uh just one more note and it's just it's just a fun little filmmaking note and i don't know if i caught all of the instances of this but there's a lot of edits into cake uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of cake in the film, just there a was lot lot of sweets,
3: decadency,
2: yeah. yeah, and that sort yeah, of stuff. There's a lot of I cakes in the film. How
3: I could like live that life?
2: Yeah, well, cake hey, life, just, just be like,
3: that yeah, way. They're just like here. No, I just I'm just not a baker, and I actually don't really like sweets like a lot of them. I go through bouts mm. like when I wasn't drinking, I was eating a lot more sweets.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, that, that's that's replacement. <laughs> yeah, that's a trigger. good knuckle
1: tattoo though cake life cake life <laughs> maybe a good knuckle tattoo
2: oh, you a
3: baker okay someone's yeah. probably done
2: that yeah oh, there's, I'm sure. there's enough chefs out there with that <laughs> but uh the there, there's edits in the cake though do you that think I like, someone has but,
3: rake life if they do like construction work or like lawn work
2: i'm ignoring that <laughs> Meg, that's that's adhd interrupting and i'm ignoring it <laughs> the edits in the cake are there. Uh, when the detectives go to discover Wayne's body at the cabin, mm-hmm. um, the first one that I notice happens where they're, they go to dig up the body, and then there's a smash cut into a fork going into a chocolate cake. Interesting. Mm. And okay, then cool. the next one I noticed was it's after Richard is discovered dead, and Trisha goes to meet Elaine at the right. at the tea room. There, it goes from Richard's blood dripping from his wrists to this like uh, strawberry syrup pour over cake that mm-hmm. she's being served. So right. I just thought I thought I just thought those fun little cute edits. I don't mm-hmm. know if I caught all of them, but those are the ones I saw. And I was like, oh, she's building some sort of motif. And there's also just a lot of cake in the film to begin with. <laughs> big cake,
1: big cake energy. I wonder if there's um, I wonder energy. if there if she or somebody else who was on set like was um. You know, maybe they had access to somebody who was really good at making cakes and they're like, let's build this in, you know, (laughs) or if it's like something that she wrote in from from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the tea room is like a central like kind of spot of self-reflection for her. You know what I mean? Um, Well, they
3: talk about too about the like the White Witch, the Light Witch and like the Dark Witch too a lot too. So that almost seems to be this like stark contrast. She's always changed. She's always in different clothes than what you normally would Mm -hmm. you'd be wearing like even when wayne was dying like there was bringing up like you know she was wearing black but she always had color underneath like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's probably more to these type of things as well
2: yeah yeah Yeah, i I think i think a lot of like the choices elaine makes as far as like wardrobe and everything is just about her fitting into like the mood or anything because like you start to film with her like bright cherry red convertible and then her luggage matches it you okay, know, she, does. she is sick about, is as fuck. yeah, which is, that's a pretty tight baller move, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but like, is yeah, she, she she's red just, too, a, I think? uh, yeah, I believe so as well. And then like when she goes to the tea room, you, you we see, she was either wearing black or red in the scene beforehand
3: hmm and, and then right
2: the you expect peach. you kind of expect yeah. her to like not fit in when she goes to the tea room but no she mm-hmm. has something for that as well she has the right. victorian era you know bonnet and everything going for her so mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it's a lot of deliberateness and i'm sure the cake is also deliberate and it's just i think it's all a lot about Again, going back to portraying kind of that '60s lifestyle, of everything was like swinging soirees, and everybody baked and cooked and made fucking, you know, jello desserts that had meat and peas in it. Oh hell yeah!
1: <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Little ch- chunks of ham in your jello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quote unquote <laughs> salads.
3: Have you ever actually made one of those? I'm just like really curious about this.
1: Um, I mean, I've made like. Terrines, which are kind of as close to that mm-hmm. as possible. But I've never done the like ham cubes and peas and lime jello, you know, that mm-hmm. like stereotypical mm-hmm. old ads that I love. I've never done that, but I would. They used to have celery flavored jello. That was the thing. They used to have savory jello flavors mm-hmm. and they really don't anymore, which we is. We could totally bullshit. do that, though, I think, too. I like know. Him. We could. Yeah. Just and with here. plain gelatin. I
3: didn't hear Steve's going to yell
1: at us again <laughs> for having ADHD. And no, know. no, no. No, it's fine <laughs>
2: to talk. No, it's okay. I yeah, it's think okay We're talking
3: about jello <laughs> and ham. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're
2: more or less done with the film, so it's fine if we want to talk about 60s era salads. It's still within brand of the you know episode and show. <laughs> all right, yelling
1: uh, at oh us again, <laughs> Steve. Man, we're talking about celery jello. Um, all right, guys, um, that you know we 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 have discussed um, in a lot. Deeper thematic that uh, uh, detail than anticipated here on a Sunday morning. We talk about The Love Witch, um, which uh, ultimately, I would say, definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, super interesting film. I would say there's not another film like this. I weirdly in my mind, equate this with house of the devil um, Mm. because of, I think because they're such, they're both like very immersive attention to detail Mm -hmm. versions of like period motion picture history kind of, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to be, it's almost like, you know, um, uh, not House of Thousand Corps, uh, Devil's Rejects too, a little bit where oh, you yeah, know, yeah. The, he, he just likes to make he wants to feel like a movie from a different era, which I always appreciate. But um, I just thought of that as being, you know, kind of a fun, fun, double feature. Uh, any final thoughts on this some bitch and flick?
3: No, guys, no. I got to get to the doctor's. <laughs>
1: Meg's <laughs> gotta go directly to the hospital. <laughs> like, I apologize
3: um, for the editing you're gonna have to do, Steve. I tried my best. Just hacking up along No,
1: actually I thought uh um I I, I couldn't even hear it. Maybe because I never stopped talking. Um all right, guys. <laughs> Um, let me remind you one more time, check out on the social medias. If you don't follow us already, if you're not checking out our stories, that's usually where we post some shit on the Instagram to vote on, um, our next topic, but also Steve posted on the Twitter, um, as well. And I think you can vote on it from Facebook also, but anyway, just go to one and M two things and we'll help you vote. Uh, we'll show you where to vote for our showdown episode for the month of February, I'm sorry, March, um, three exceptional topics i'm really excited about doing any of these three. First one is werewolf flicks um second one peter cushing best of peter cushing and um hungry for horror which is like food and and a restaurant and whatever types of horror movies so if
2: if i can if i can put a little bit of a vote forward for mm-hmm. hungry for horror because mm-hmm. i believe uh mardi gras and fat tuesday Mm. Are coming pretty late this year, okay? You know, so like we can do we can do some hungi stuff in the first of March. You know, what are yeah. those like uh,
3: Polish little um, little cake things, pzac- pz- packies? Yeah, butchki,
2: butchki, Yeah, that's Butch-gi. Butch-gi.
3: I gotta find them.
2: They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're delicious, <laughs> butchki. They're like little jelly, jelly
3: donuts. a like a jelly <laughs> filled donut, right? But we don't we don't say that. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, different. Oh, oh different. now I'm hungry. Now I want donuts. All oh, right, man, guys. Donuts, Anything else I forgot? Anything else we got to touch on? Anything else about the next episode? Still a Spies, right? We don't know what we're doing for the next episode yeah, yet.
2: Yeah, we don't know what we're doing for the rest of February. Although I believe we'll have Cocaine Bear coming up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm and
2: mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have Cocaine Bear. And then uh, I don't know. I, I would like to see if maybe... I don't know when, but have you guys seen the trailer for the Outwaters or heard anything about the no, Outwaters? I have
1: seen it see. pop up,
2: but I don't know if I've even watched a trailer. There's, yeah. There's been a lot of good buzz, and I've heard that it's a cosmic horror, and it's like a found footage call. Co- yeah. It seems I like feel a, like
3: maybe I've seen the trailer for it.
2: Um, it. It it seems like it's a more serious version of. Uh, hmm. You remember the vhs 99 uh, uh section by the people who did deadstream where they go to hell mm.
1: yeah mm. oh yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah yeah and yeah that was fun it seems that like it's fun. a f- it seems like it's a feature length more serious version of that so interesting i, mean, it, I know it's coming to Screambox box at some point i just don't know when but maybe that could be our next one
1: i don't know all right yeah we'll take a look see if we can find that some bitch popping up there it looks interesting um all right. If you have any suggestions, night, as It came all...
3: out February 9th.
1: Oh, it already came out. Beautiful. Well, in theaters. Um, in theaters. In theaters. Yeah. It's in oh. theaters now. Okay. Weird. It says 2022 in here. That must have been, it must have hit like the festival circuit mm-hmm. or something earlier. Mm-hmm. But um, in any case, if you got suggestions for us for minisodes and things like that, uh, throw them our way on the social medias in the DMs or whatever like that, or just comment on something on the social medias. That also is a, a, an acceptable um, thing to do. Alright, that being said for the Halloween is Forever Crew I'm Brian. I'm Megan.
2: I'm Cake Boss Cake Boss Okay Bye